Have you ever gone out to eat and ordered something off the menu just because it has a secret sauce? Anybody? Anybody? Scott, you're the only honest person here. I'm kidding, you're all honest. But thank you for your courage. Me too. I see that little word secret sauce, and I'm like, oh, interesting. I don't know who coined the term secret sauce, but that is some genius marketing right there. We are drawn, well, Scott and I are drawn to the secret sauce, right? So much so that you know this term is used outside of the culinary word to describe something that is, you know, exciting and maybe unexpected, maybe essential. Except, at least in this day and age, the secret sauces are not all that secret anymore. You can kind of figure out what's in the secret sauce. You can quickly go to Google and find a copycat recipe or 20, right, on how to make that thing. So take the beloved Big Mac, for instance. Yeah, I forget the thing, you know, two all beef patties, sesame seed. Some of you, some of you know it just as well as you know the, the Lord's Prayer, right? It's just like baked in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the beloved Big Mac. Really, honestly, on paper, the only compelling thing about the Big Mac is the secret sauce. Like, why do you have an extra piece of bread in there? That's just filler. We don't need that. Toss it out. But it has the secret sauce. I looked it up. The secret's all over the internet. It's not all that secret. It's basically a Thousand Island dressing, right? Which we kind of all imagine, except there's one key difference. See, Thousand Island dressing is made with a mayo base, some ketchup, some sweet relish, and some seasonings. Everything about that is the same, except instead of ketchup, it's French dressing. Yeah. So tell me this. Say McDonald's comes out with this new enticing burger called a Big Mac, and they advertise it by saying, we have this French dressing sauce on this burger. Do you think you'd want to buy it? No. But if it's a secret sauce, oh, and all of a sudden, a few of you are like, okay, I see where Scott and Kevin are coming from. The secret sauce. It's not all that secret, but it's kind of hard to swallow when you know what's in it. Today, we're talking about the secret sauce of worship. Like most things, it's really not that much of a secret at all, but it can be hard for us to swallow. One of those things that does not sound good. But when you experience it, it actually is. You see, we're in week two of our series on worship. It's called Worship Full. And it's our longing to worship God to the fullest and to also live a life that is full of worship. Two weeks from now, we'll wrap up this series when we talk about the nuts and bolts of how we live a life of worship. And next week, we'll talk about having a worship that is authentic as well as accurate, what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. But today's all about the secret sauce. And to help frame us as we get to what that sauce is, we have to be reminded that worship, it is not so much what we do. It's in part what we do, but it's not so much what we do, but it's what we let God do in us. If worship is bringing glory to God, it's us raising him up high as we bow down low. 
because he alone is worthy and worthy of all our praise. And so we invite God to have his way in us. The secret sauce, the secret sauce of worship is surrender. Surrender. Submission. Sacrifice. To surrender is to simply give oneself up. Anyone with older siblings knows what it means to surrender. Because at some point in your life, your older brother likely had you in a headlock. And you had no choice but to surrender. Or, like some of us probably, you passed out. (laughs) That's called forceful surrender. It's not what we're about here. We're about willful surrender. Surrender is the secret sauce of worship. To give ourselves up, to be a living sacrifice, to submit ourselves fully into God's most capable hands and asking him, Lord, I am here. I am yours. Have your way in me. Remember the words from Psalm 95 that were spoken for us just a little while ago. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people that he watches over. We are the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. I don't think that was in your translation, but it was in this translation, right? And it's present there in the Greek. If only you would listen to his voice today. If only, if only you would listen. David penned this psalm, and as he did many of them, and you know, he was a, 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 lived his life of worship. But I think David knew how hard it is to surrender. He knew how hard it is for us to surrender. And when he penned this psalm thousands of years ago, that reality has not changed. It is so hard. If only you would listen to his voice today. If only you would bow down. If only you would surrender. We know there's not a whole lot more countercultural than to surrender. Our culture, it's built on the idea of winning at whatever cost to become the best, to be the best, to achieve the most, to acquire the most. We compete and we shoot for the moon. Never give up, never surrender. It's from Galaxy Quest. And it fits with our culture too, doesn't it? Never give up, never surrender. That's what we've been told. I knew you were with me. Because we were taught to surrender is to be a coward. But when it comes to worship, when it comes to living this life of faith, is surrender cowardly? Absolutely not. No, there is nothing more courageous than to entrust our entire being into someone else's hands. For us Christians, the beauty is we're surrendering our lives into God's most capable hands. Surrender. Our focus passage of this series, it's Romans 12, 1 through 2. I bring it before you again as it implants itself into our being. Paul wrote this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's 
mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So last week we talked about worship as a living sacrifice, that it's, it's, it's the way of life that we are called to, that we're called to live in this place of sacrifice. As followers of Jesus, that's what a life of worship is. It's a living sacrifice. But what's another word for sacrifice but surrender? To surrender. To surrender fully. To surrender when there is a cost is sacrifice. We lay down our ways for God's. We lay down our desires for God's. We entrust our whole life lives to him for he's the one that breathed life into us. Our act of worship then, our, the heart of worship, it is to surrender. To set aside our own agenda, to submit to God, to trust in his word, in his way, and in his work. Worship is our offering to God. To offer ourselves is what Paul writes. We offer ourselves not knowing what he will do with us. We offer ourselves to him. But what kind of offering is it if it doesn't come with a sacrifice? That's a hard question for us to think about. What kind of offering is it if it doesn't come with a sacrifice? If I uh, think of a gift for my wife, I want to show her my love, and uh, maybe our 10th anniversary, a couple weeks ago, and I say, all right, honey, I'm going to give you this 10th anniversary gift, and I just see what kind of money I got in my pocket. And I, get, I don't even have my wallet now, so I, was, I got nothing for you, but here you go. And it costs me nothing. How loved will she feel? There's no sacrifice. There's no intention. What type of offering is it if it doesn't come with sacrifice? If our entire world is counter-surrender, then it's fair to say that surrender for us is incredibly hard. It is not a natural thing. I know it is. I know it personally for myself. I know how hard it is to give things up, to let go of control, to, to trust and trust and trust. I know it's hard for my six-year-old. I know it's hard for my almost four-year-old, my two-year-old, my dog, <laughs> I won't tell you if it's hard for my wife or not. Surrender. To give up total control. We hate being out of control. We hate it. We even say, you're out of control, as a bad thing. But worship is what we give back to God. It's not ours to control. It's ours to give to give back, to let go of. As Romans 12 says, it's our offering to God. Incredibly hard, not just from my own experience, but I know because it was hard for our beloved Savior. You know this, that in the garden, the night before he went to the cross, he walked away about a stone's throw. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. 
That's the hard part. But where's the surrender? Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. So an angel from heaven, he appeared, he strengthened him. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't say, good, I'm good, I'm going to the cross. No, he doubled down. He prayed even more fervently. He was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground as if blood. It was blood. There's different renderings of the Greek, but he sweated blood. It is such hard work that Jesus sweat blood in his act of surrender. Yes, he knew what was to come. He knew the cross lay before him. He also knew the victory that was on the other side. He surrendered to the Father's will. He surrendered his life to the cross. And in so doing, he secured that grand, great victory. Surrender is an offering. Surrender is our call to obedience. So the natural question is, are we willing? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to surrender in our personal worship, our Monday to Saturday worship? Are we willing to surrender on our collective gathering together, set apart time of worship? That song we sang earlier, the tag added on to the beloved hymn of old, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ, the Lamb, and I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. Church is the place where we say, come as you are. Come as you are. If you are broken and wounded, come as you are. But we also say, do not stay as you are. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Surrender to Christ and be transformed. Because without surrender, we will stay as we are. We will stay the same. That means we will stay broken. We will stay wounded and desperate and empty and guilty. But when we surrender, when we surrender, we are mended. We are healed. We are rescued. We are we are pardoned all by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. So the question is, are we willing to surrender? A surrender, a living sacrifice, a surrendering that comes with a cost. Meaning, is our worship a sacrifice or is it just a handout? That one hits me and maybe it hits you too. When I come to worship, Am I just giving God the leftovers? Or am I giving him all of me? All the ugly, all the broken, all the questions, all the anger, all the sadness. And saying, here I am, God. You already knew. Have your way with me. See, our first step towards surrender is to recognize that we, are our own biggest barriers to worship. We stand in our own way. Think of your personal worship. I know how hard that is personally 
because of how hard it is to embody God's word when he says, be still and know that I am God. Have you ever tried to sit there to be still and know that he is God? And your mind is every which way and it goes everywhere and it takes almost 40 minutes right, to even try. I mean, after 40 seconds, you're like, I got things to do. I got to get up and go. My grocery list is already listed and planned, and I got to fix that thing I've been putting off for five weeks, but now I'm going to fix it right now as we try to be still. It is hard to sacrifice. It is hard to surrender. I want to talk a little bit about our collective set-apart worship as a body. Some real talk for all of us. I am preaching to myself, please know this. It's so easy for us to fall right into that temptation to enter worship with some kind of agenda, with our guards up. Oh, man, I do this all the time, where we come in and our first thought is, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of worship today? Know what I'm saying? Or we we come in and we, we look at worship as what we can get out of it. We then fall into this danger of being a consumer instead of a disciple. If we approach worship as a critic instead of as an offering, as, as what I can get instead of what I can give. Do you know what I mean? It's very natural because the rest of the world, we are a consumer. We go to the movie to be entertained. So it's a natural step. When we come to church, I want to be entertained today. Oh, I hope Kevin's extra funny today. Oh, he's not that funny today. Oh, I hope he quotes at least three theologians. Oh, I hope that band plays all my favorite songs. Or man, Amy is rocking on those drums. Or man, Kevin's guitar is not on point today. And we're sitting there as a critic and we're saying, I I really hope service doesn't go long. It better not go a minute long because I got some stuff to do today. And, And oh boy, that prayer was way too long. Or that prayer was way too short. Or that candle went out and it is bugging me so much. It's bugging me. Anyone else? We cannot get that thing to stay lit. But God is still here. Praise God. He is still with us. We come in with our critiques. We come in as a consumer. We come in judging all of us. The heart-stopping question we all have to answer. We all have to wrestle with. When we do that, who do we think is more pleased? God or the enemy? It is so easy to come into worship with our own agenda. As a critic, as a consumer, why do we do this? Why do we put these walls up when we come to worship? Why do we come into worship with our own agenda when worship ought to be God having his way in us? We ought not enter these doors as consumers because a consumer is a customer. A customer doesn't surrender. A customer demands. And God doesn't ask us to come in and demand. He asks us to come as we are and surrender ourselves fully and completely to him. To transform our mind. To, 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 to lay ourselves down so that we might have our true act of worship which only comes from us letting go. Releasing 
being open to whatever it is God has in store for us. I want to tell you too, I'm not saying this because like I'm like really like a bunch of people have been complaining to me. That's not the case. I tried really hard not to include this in my message. And I'm pretty sure just God didn't want me to let go of it, okay? I tried every which way to cut that out. I have other scribbles. You see them right there. I couldn't do it because it's a message I need to hear too. We're not here to consume. We're not. We're here to be transformed. We aren't here because of what we want, but because we are so desperately in need of God. Without him, we're completely lost. We blow every which way in the wind as sin has its way in us. Look at what Paul wrote in Romans 6. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, what does this say? Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. You have, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Why surrender? Because it is our natural response to God's most grazing grace. Our natural response is to worship God, to bring him glory, to offer him our full selves. As I said last week, as I've said before, I'll say again, That was our very first act as a follower of Christ would say, I'm yours. Have your way with me. And so we return here again and again each week to be recalibrated and reminded of that posture of a Christian as one of surrender and worship. Not out of a sense of duty or out of fear, but in love because Christ first loved us. In the Bible, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What's he saying? Surrender. Paul says, I die daily. What's he saying? Surrender. Yield to the Spirit. What's he saying? Surrender. For only in Christ is surrender to be set free. If we do not surrender to God, we enslave ourselves to sin. If we don't surrender to God, it's as if Jesus went to the cross for nothing. We surrender to God for it was not for nothing. We can trust him for he overcame death. We can trust that though it's hard and painful to let go and openly offer ourselves to him that his transforming grace will meet us in our sacrifice and he will do something amazing in and through us that only he can do. We've talked about this before. What we hold onto remains, but what we release to God, he multiplies and he transforms. This is the profound truth. Forget what the world says Surrender to God does not weaken you. It strengthens you. Surrender to God 
does not weaken you. It strengthens you with a death-defying spirit that lives in you. Surrendering is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of trust. Surrendering is not giving up. It is following in the way of Jesus Christ. He came not to serve, but to be served. No. <laughs> Thanks for catching me. He came not to be served, but to serve. We surrender by releasing our pride. Pride, just like in the garden, tells us, hmm, I can be like God. I'll be like God. That's what pride tells us. What does surrender say? I'm not God. Praise God, I'm not God. And praise God that God is God. Surrender it all to God. So in worship, we come expectant to lay ourselves down in an act as an offering of total submission. We lay down all our past regrets. We lay down our present problems, our future ambitions, our fears, our dreams, our weaknesses, our habits, our hurts, our hang-ups, and we say, here I am, Lord. Have your way in me, here and now, because only in Jesus is surrender a complete victory. You catch that? not giving up. Surrender is a complete victory. So how do we do that when we all come in with our own agendas? Well, we have to hand that agenda over to God. We leave that at the door. We leave the critic and the complacent at the door, and we come in ready to give him our full selves, to be fully engaged, to ask God to transform us as we surrender to his Spirit's work. And then as we leave after we have already dropped off our agenda, what do we pick up? Not that same agenda. We pick up our marching orders. As we leave those doors and we enter into our mission field that God sends us out to love and serve the Lord with our life of worship. Jesus said, people want to follow me? They must be willing to give up their lives daily to follow me. If you were here last week, you remember drift happens. We drift, and we drift. We don't keep our eyes on Jesus, we drift. We don't keep our eyes on him. We're not recalibrating to him. We're not regularly, weekly, on Sunday, gathering with God's people to refocus on him. We drift. We aren't doing our thing during the week, reminding ourselves of his truth. We drift. Drift happens. But if you make a heartfelt decision to live with a totally surrendered life, we know that will be tested time and time again. We know it will make earthly things inconvenient. We know it will mean saying no to good things for better things. We know it will mean people not really getting us or understanding us. It will mean we will miss out on some things that this earth offers. And it will often mean doing the opposite of what you feel like doing. But God bless us. Oh, he blesses a fully surrendered life. Worship with surrender. And when you do it consistently enough, your worship with surrender leads to a heart's desire to not just worship with surrender, but to worship with abandon. It's where you leave nothing behind. 
think once more upon David. Perhaps besides Jesus, he's the one we can understand his worshiping life the most. For we have his account in, in, in the Kings and Samuel and all those uh, chronicles. And we also have the Psalms to which he penned many of. We see his heart for worship. We see his contention for surrender and the joyful moments of his life and the heartaches of his life. When the enemies were after him, when he was angry at God, he still surrendered. When he royally, he was a king, so it was royally messed up and, and, and did horrible, sinful things. And then we read in Psalm 23, his repentant heart and his cry and his call once again to surrender. 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 And what do we see when the Ark of the Covenant finally comes back to Jerusalem? But David... He worships with abandon. You may know this account where he dances with joy before the Lord. And he is dancing and he is dancing. I'm not going to do a jig for you today, but he is just giving it his all. And to the point where his wife says, you look foolish. Stop that. And what's David's response? Then I will look even more foolish to dance with joy before the Lord. He didn't care what anyone thought. He worshiped with abandon. And that's what a full, surrendered life of worship looks like. And that is our prayer. That's our call. To surrender it all so fully to God. We don't care what anyone thinks except God. You've heard the phrase, an audience of one. Oh, that is so true. So you got that person dancing in the aisle, praise God, right? I'll try not to judge you, right? Or human nature might want to, and they'll say, heck no, way to worship with abandon. That means during worship, you may feel compelled to say amen. You may want to shout it out. I say if you have that on your heart from the Spirit, you let it roar. I want to hear it. That means you might feel compelled to raise your hand. You might not. That might not be how you're wired for worship. All good. But if you feel that prompting to raise that hand, you want to surrender, you raise that hand and who cares who you hit and who looks at you. All right? You get that hand up because it's all about God. It's all about God. There's no ground for embarrassment here. He's not looking at us embarrassed. He's looking at us with those eyes filled with joy for his child offering themselves back to him. What a gift. So as we were wrap up, what area of your life are you holding back from God? As you've heard all these words, what, what, what is the Spirit prompting within you right now that it is time to release? Past regrets? Present problems? Future ambitions? Fears? Dreams? Pride, self-consciousness, habits, sinful desires, hurts. Surrender it to God. Surrender it to God. That's why we are here. For we are all lost without our Savior. He is worth it all. He is worthy of it all. And we praise God that we can surrender because he truly surrendered it all. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't we pray? We thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross for us. 
that even in this hard teaching, this hard truth, this hard call to live a fully surrendered life, that you showed the way, you paved the way. And God, while we pray that none of us have to go through such pain and hurt and heartache as you had to go through, we take your word seriously that says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. That says, leave everything you know and follow me. That says, be willing to give it all. We read, read your word and we think of the ways that Abraham was willing to give it all to follow you. And we say, how? And yet we also say, me too, Lord. Work in me. So God, whatever's on our heart now, whatever you've placed on us, continue to do your revealing work in us of what it is we need to lay down. And God, we know that's not an easy process. We know that doesn't come quickly. But we also know that your grace meets us and covers us and enfolds us and guides us and sustains us. That even in our surrender, we can still rejoice because you are so good and you are worthy of it all. And we know that you can see us with all the burdens we carry and how heavy laden we are. You say, come, cast your cares on me. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. So that's our prayer today, that we may do that today, Lord, to offer ourselves fully and completely again to you. We trust you. Surrender ourselves to you. We love you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.